Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. I was at a wedding once where one of the groomsmen fell over and thunked his head and knocked himself out. And the pastor was so worried about the appearance of things, he just called somebody else to stand in his place and left the guy laying there unconscious. So Kathy and I were not overly thrilled with our pastor at that moment, but uh, there are wedding bloopers, you know. I got a couple of them on here, and uh, it looks like the picture on the left, like he's grabbing her foot. Well, that's not going to help much. Uh, she's going down into the water, and the second one, I'm not sure, but it kind of looks like he yanked her down. Uh, maybe he's trying to hold it up, but uh, those brides are going to get hurt a little bit in that process. and. No matter how disastrous the wedding ceremony, when it's completed, you're just as married as if the problems never happened. And some folks make it through the ceremony just fine, and they get to the reception, and, well, things don't quite work out in the reception. That big, expensive cake is going down. So, listen... Those of you who are thinking about getting married in the future someday, maybe, well, expect to be married, but don't expect to have a perfect wedding ceremony. It's not going to happen. And don't expect perfection in your marriage either, because that's never happened in the history of the world. This morning, we're in Ephesians 5, and we're looking at marriage and the church. Marriage and the church. And... The Lord links the two together. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write it exactly this way so that we could learn and grow. We're doing a series of messages through the book of Ephesians and we're learning uh, God's plan for his churches as we learn and grow together. So uh, this morning, we're going to start in verse number 21, where we ended last week, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, verse 22, sometimes guys call this their favorite verse. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Okay, before it says wives, submit to your husbands, what does it say? Submitting to one another. So, yes, the wife has to submit to the husband to follow the biblical pattern, but the husband also has to submit to the wife to follow the biblical pattern. It's a mutual submission, and it's a mutual connection and mutual obedience to God. So, verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, 
Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the body. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, Let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and the wife see that she respect her husband. So we're looking at marriage and the church, because Paul links them both together under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He fits them together in the similar concept of how we need to grow and we need to learn. One of the first things we see here is that husbands and wives have specific obligations and duties assigned by God. Now, God is the authority over all of us in every area and every aspect of our life. And God has assigned certain roles. And those roles are to be fulfilled. And God's plan said the men are going to have one responsibility and the women are going to have another responsibility. And so in God's desire for the church, uh, we're going to start out looking at uh, the husbands and the husbands Uh, job okay first of all a husband needs to sacrifice he needs to sacrifice for the good of his wife for the good of his kids if they have kids now where do I get that idea sacrifice just as Christ gave himself for the church Uh, so I, I really hated home repair projects I'm amazingly handy guy compared to my father who has zero skills and on a scale of one to ten my dad's a zero as far as home repair skills were and patience to deal with them so on a scale of one to ten you know there's some guys in this room who they'd be at least a 9.5 I'm a three maybe um, I might some days some projects I can get up to a five or a six but uh, Uh, But I hated home repair projects. And I used to get grumpy when I had to do them. Aren't you glad I outgrew that, huh, babe? (laughs) Uh, But I'd get grumpy and I'd get fussy and I'd put them off as long as I could in the hopes that Kathy would either forget about them or do it herself. Uh, I, I just... And then one day it dawned on me, I was working on this project at the house and I'm like, I hate doing stuff like this. And then I thought, why? Why do I hate it? Well, maybe because that's how I was raised. My dad was that way. His dad built houses and lived in them and could fix anything. And my older brother's that way. But the gene completely bypassed my dad. And, And so what I needed to figure out, what I finally learned, was that one of the ways that I show love to Kathy 
is to take care of things around the house that I need to take care of. And when I started viewing this, not as I have to fix this stupid thing in this stupid house, but looking at it as, hey, I'm going to show my wife I love her by working on this thing. And now it doesn't even bother me if I can't get it. If I try and it's just not possible for me and we have to hire somebody to do it, at least she knows I tried. And so I can do it out of love. And when I started viewing those projects as acts of love, I started being less grumpy. Not completely zero on the grumpy meter, but at least less grumpy, substantially less. Uh, and, and I procrastinate less. And one day, um, last year I couldn't do anything for so long. Everything Kathy had to do, because a health issue I was dealing with, I couldn't fix anything. And then when I finally could start helping, in one day I did three or four different things and did them all at once, like, yes, I get to help her again. And I thought, what a change over what I used to be. Husbands, you need to anticipate sacrificing for the benefit of your wife. Secondly, you need to show love. Now, God has given you a, a standard of that. He says in verse number uh, 24, uh, or 23, uh, sorry, how about 25, ready? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ. He's the model of that. Show love to your wife in the same way that Christ showed love for the church, by giving himself. Now, Jesus started giving himself for the church long before he died on the cross. He started giving himself when he left heaven and he came here. He started giving himself uh, because he left his place of comfort. He set aside his glory. He set aside his own planned agenda and exclusively submitted to do what the Father had planned. He endured hunger and thirst and discomfort. He gave himself completely to a group of disciples who would become his apostles, but who did not understand him. And they did not follow him wholeheartedly until after his resurrection. But he every day gave himself to them. No sacrifice was too great. No difficulty too demanding. He loved with perfect love even when they were still sinning. Even when they were not trusting, Christ showed love. Now we need to remember that love is what you do, not just how you feel. Love is what you do, not just how you feel. So back in the day when I was super grumpy and obnoxious about doing any household projects, uh, Kathy knew that I had love for her. Uh, she knew that I responded to her. I love to hug her, still do, always will. I think we'll be hugging each other all through eternity. <laughs> but uh, but I... I uh, I wasn't showing love by doing things. Love is not just an emotion. Like Dan and Barbara have been married for 80 years or something like that. How long, Dan? 65 years they've been married. Now, does 
When Barbara reaches out to hold his hand, does Dan's heart flutter and he get all excited? She's holding my hand. There was a day when that really happened. He was so excited to be holding her hand, but he still enjoys holding her hand. But some days he's only holding her hand to hold her up. And, and he shows his love by the way he cares for her. And Barbara says he does a good job of that. Now, love is not just this feeling, this ooey-gooey, when she walks in the room, I just flutter. It's, you know, hey, to be honest with you, some days love is cleaning up the vomit for the person who's sick, right? Mm -hmm. You're the one not sick, and you're cleaning up for the one who was. And, and uh, you know, those of you who've had kids, you know, they do it in the worst possible place right? We had a double bunk bed set in our house where the, the bottom bunk was a little wider for the kids, and one of the kids threw up from the top bunk onto the bottom bunk, and nasty, nasty stuff. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> but love is helping clean up the mess, whatever the mess. Love is what you do, not just how you feel. Now, Look in Ephesians 5, we just read 25 again, look at 28. It said, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, for he who loves his wife loves himself. Look down in verse 33. Let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. So this is the responsibility for husbands to love their wives, to cherish them, to appreciate them, and to sacrifice and show love. All right, now, you, I want you to mark your spot here in Ephesians 5, and I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to go back and forth. We're going to read a verse from 1 Peter, and then we're going to go back to Ephesians 5, and then we're going to go back to 1 Peter again, okay? So, in 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, Paul gives us some... Uh, Essential parts of showing love. Some essential things that guys need to work on to show love. Okay? So, uh, Paul's raising the bar for showing love by using the example of Christ. Now remember, Paul's also lived up to that. As Christ gave himself so that we could be saved, Paul was willing to give himself so that others could be saved. He said that he would be willing to go to hell for his countrymen to be saved if it were possible. It wasn't, but if it were, Paul would have been willing to do it. So when Paul raised the bar, he did it himself. He lived it out. First uh, Peter chapter 3, look down at verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. So here's three essential parts of showing love. First of all, and I'm gonna break this down really simple for the guys, okay? Just three words to remember. Say, the first is learn. Dwell with her with understanding. See, you, when uh, Steve Rubio uh, was the Years ago, Jim, Jim Reeves and I and 
and a, another guy, a couple of guys from the church, we went down to Hermosillo, Mexico, to the school that we helped support there, the Bible college and seminary we helped support. And we went down there and we took some instruments for them and just to help and minister there. And, and uh, we, we packed the church van full of instruments that people had donated and we took them all down there. And uh, we, we, it took like seven hours for us to get across the border. It was, it was crazy. And we went to the shortcut place to get across the border. They were all freaked out by the instruments we had there. And so we finally got there, but while we were waiting, Steve Rubio, who was our translator and went with us to, to make sure that we got to the right place. And, and uh, Steve Rubio is a pastor in Phoenix. I was talking with him just this past week. But uh, Steve said to Jim, because Steve at that point was, was in love with Esther. They weren't officially engaged at that point yet, but, but they were going to be very soon. And, and uh, they, they're married with half a dozen kids now. But, uh, but Steve said to Jim Reeves, he said, Mr. Reeves, he said, uh, You've been married a long time, haven't you? At that stage, it was 33 years. And, and uh, Jim said, yeah. And, and Steve said, so, so when do you get where you understand women? <laughs> and Jim said, no clue. I haven't reached it yet. <laughs> All right, listen, guys. You do not have to understand women. Aren't you glad? All you guys say, amen. You don't have to, but you have to understand woman, not women, woman. You have to understand your own wife. Now, will it be a perfect understanding? Listen, we don't understand ourselves perfectly. Only God understands us perfectly. But you need to understand your wife. And, and things that she values and appreciates. And as I tell couples in pre-marriage counseling, you need to learn what makes her tick and what makes her ticked. And the better you understand the difference, the healthier your marriage will be. Uh, you have to understand. So does that mean that I have to agree with Kathy and everything? No. You know, but I have to understand and show understanding. Now there's some days we look at each other and we're like, I don't understand this at all. You know, the men are from Mars and women are from Venus or something like, we just don't quite get it. It's, it's like we're a different species or something. But the truth is, I have to care enough to learn about her. So dwell with your wives in an understanding manner. So if you know there's something that bugs your wife, Okay, it might have been cute, maybe, possibly, when you did it to your sister, probably not, but it's definitely wrong if you do it to your wife. So dwell with him in an understanding manner. You need to learn. You need to appreciate that. Secondly, giving honor. You need to honor them. You need to honor your wife. There's a a position, a, a place of honor. Now, does that mean you put her up on a pedestal and you bow down before her? No, you bow before the Lord alone, no one else. We submit to Jesus Christ. I did hear a couple of wives saying, yeah, that'd be a good idea. <laughs> okay, no, it's not. But, but you honor them. 
One of the ways you honor them is, is listening to them. And another way you honor them is by valuing their perception. And now in our house, I get no say over any color scheme anywhere. I don't know why, <laughs> but, but Kathy picks all of that. So when, when we're arranging the house or something like, I get to choose a little bit, you know, where I want my recliner chair and where I want my stuff that's gonna be beside the bed that I get into a lot. And so I get say of that, but all the rest of the house she does. She loves rearranging. I had a friend in Texas and he did not like it when his wife rearranged the house because he wanted it the way he wanted it. And he actually nailed the furniture to their hardwood floor. <laughs> Ruined the hardwood floor. Nailed the furniture so she couldn't move it. And then he came over to my house and the living room was rearranged. And he's like, what happened? What'd you do? I said, well, Kathy rearranged it. I won't let my wife do that. I nailed it to the floor so she can't do it. And I said, hey, I let my wife. It's way cheaper than therapy. She can rearrange the furniture and feel good. But you have to honor her and not have it all be your way. You know, I, when we were young marrieds, you know, within the first 10 years of marriage, I don't remember exactly when it finally dawned on me, but, but I always wanted my stuff quick to grab. My dad, he had his stuff that way, and mom had, you know, we had a small bathroom, and I wanted my stuff in prominence, so, because I'm the one who has to get up and get going and get out and go earn money and then go to school and all of that stuff, and so she had more time, so it just made sense. Well, it didn't make sense because you're supposed to treat her, what does 1 Peter 3, 7 say? As if she were the weaker one. So if one of us had to have it be inconvenient, which one should it have been? You. <laughs> Absolutely right. <laughs> Good answer. And I figured that out eventually. But it took me quite a few years to get there. So that's how we honor and, and cherish. And then the third part is to help. To help as if she were the weaker one. So you're making her wife, her life easier. You're making it a little easier. You're helping. Now, it's not just like I do the heavy lifting because I'm a little bigger and stronger than she is. Uh, it's not just doing that, but doing things to make her life easier. And you have to learn your wife to know what makes it easier for her. I, I can remember coming home when I was a business manager and I'd come in and I was just you know, ready to help my wife, you know, and I'd come in and the kids would be a little wild and she's working on dinner in the kitchen and I'd say, come on kids, everybody outside. And I'd take the kids out and I'd play with them to help them calm down and then come in and, you know, and one day she said, you know, I'd like to go out and play with the kids. Maybe you could fix dinner. And like, I didn't even think of that. If you really want to know how to help your wife, guys, ask them. If I'd said, hey, babe, I want to help, what would be the biggest help? Should I take care of the kids? Should I take care of the meal? She could have decided. She might have chosen to 
stay in the kitchen and finish the meal because she's a better cook than I am. Or she might have chosen to go with the kids and dinner wouldn't be quite as good or quite as fast. But, uh, but she needs to make that choice. So one of the roles of the guy is to help the wife. Now, some guys get all obsessive about, woman, submit to me because God put me in charge. <laughs> yeah, but God also assigned the responsibility for you to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And so give yourself for her. Now, guys, how does verse 7 end? All of you guys together, let's read verse 7. No, let's not read the whole verse. We've read just the last phrase. After it says the grace of life, let's read that, read that last phrase together, guys. That your prayers be not hindered. May not be hindered. So, if you're not trying to cherish your wife, God may not be listening to your prayers. That's a big, serious thing. So, guys, work to get it right. Wives, what do you need to do? What do the wives need to do? Well, first of all, uh, it says in verse 22, submit to your own husbands. Back in 1 Peter, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to jump over there and we'll get back to 1 Peter uh, chapter 3. So Ephesians 5, uh, look at verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And in verse 24, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So, uh, wives, you need to submit. Submit to your own husbands. As the church submits to Christ, so the wife submits to her husband. Again, Christ is the standard. And you need to show respect. Look at verse 33. The end of that verse, let the wife see that she respects her husband. You need to show respect. Now, what does it mean to show respect? Kathy and I had a friend, and every time her husband spoke, she would stop whatever she was doing and just focus on him. She would just turn and focus on him. And what, as soon as he started speaking, she'd just zoom in on him. And you could be in the middle of a conversation with her, and the husband would come up interrupting, and she'd just totally tune you out and zoom in on him. To be honest with you, it kind of creeped me out. I wouldn't want Kathy to act that way. I would actually prefer her to say, you know, hold up the finger one minute while she finishes this thing she's dealing with, and then listens to me. So you gotta show respect in a way that works for him. No guys are identical. Even identical twins are not identical. No wives are identical. You have to learn each other and you have to show respect and remember that respect is what you do, not just how you feel. So uh, Christ is the example he is God the Son with all the fullness of the Godhead in him and he had the authority as the creator but he completely and consistently 
submitted to the Father when he walked on the earth. Philippians 2, he made himself of no reputation, taking on himself the form of a bondservant. He humbled himself to obey even to the death on the cross. That's how Christ modeled what this submission looks like. That's what he did. And back in Ephesians 5, you submit to him as if he were the Lord. That's how it's phrased. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. You submit to him in the same way that you submit to God. In fact, ladies, if you don't submit to your husband at all, then you are not submitting to God. Husbands, if you're not cherishing and showing love to your wife, then you're not showing love for God. We can say we love God, but we actually have to do something about it. Jump back to 1 Peter chapter 3. There's three essential parts of showing respect. So 1 Peter chapter 3, look with me at verses 1 and 2. Um, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear or reverence for God. So the first thing the wife needs to do is to choose to obey God's word, to choose to obey God's word. Even if the husband is not obeying scripture, you are to obey God and show respect to your husband. Now, by the way, this is true for everybody, right? Not just wives. You are supposed to show respect for the authorities God allows in your life. Kids at school, they're supposed to show authority for their teachers. Uh, workers on the job are supposed to show, uh, show respect for uh, their supervisors and their managers, their boss, if you will. Everybody's supposed to show respect. And you have to respond to the authorities God allows in your life. I get very frustrated with Christians who badmouth politicians. There's a lot of messed up politicians. There's also quite a few very good public servants out there serving well and faithfully. Uh, but people will badmouth any politician who disagrees with them, even if they're the president of the United States. But the Bible says, you're supposed to show respect for the authority. So we have to respect the office, even if we cannot expect respect the person. And, and we have to show respect. When my dad was in the state legislature, they referred to him as you know, the Honorable Jim Green because he was a state legislator here in Arizona for quite a few years. And then when he left the legislature and went to be a school principal, I wrote a letter to him and I addressed the outside envelope to the formerly Honorable Jim Green. <laughs> My dad thought it was great. Mom did not, because you don't, you don't disrespect dad with mom around. And uh, so you need to follow God's word. Some days that's really easy. Some days that's a challenge. Some areas that's a challenge. Secondly, look at verse three. It says, uh, um, let me find verse three here. If, if in, 
I'm looking at chapter 2. That's why it didn't make sense. Chapter 3. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing of gold, or putting on a fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. You need to focus on your own heart and your own behavior. Now, because of that verse, um, those verses... Uh, verses 3 and 4, some people say women should never wear jewelry of any kind or makeup of any kind. And, uh, the president of our Bible college was preaching on that and this subject, and he said, ladies, I think it's fine for you to wear some makeup. Even an old barn looks better painted. <laughs> and his wife was sitting right there. It did not go over well with her. She did not appreciate the humor of that any more than my wife appreciates me sharing that story with you. But <laughs> ladies, you need to focus on your inner beauty, not the outer beauty. Our culture is obsessed with externals. Uh, women who are already beautiful go through surgeries to try and make themselves look more beautiful and what it ends up doing is make them look more fake, less real. Focus on your heart, your own heart, and your own behavior. It's so easy to focus on the other person. We're naturals at that. You know, when, when uh, God told Peter, when Jesus told Peter how he was going to die, the end of his life, what's the first thing Peter did? What about John? No, no, Peter, you focus on the Lord speaking to you. And that's exactly what Jesus said. If I let him live until I come back, what's that to you? It, you don't have a say in what other people do. Focus on your own heart and your own behavior. That's true for husbands, that's true for wives, that's true for kids, that's true for people, that's true for people who've never married, that's true to people who are now single. You focus on you and on the inner beauty, not the outer beauty. Your character is way more than your charming appearance. And then look at verses 5 and 6. He says, uh, For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughter you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. So you need to trust God. You need to trust God. God. Even when you're sure your husband is wrong, you need to honor God by submitting, unless it's illegal or immoral or unethical. Uh, you don't have to trust your husband. You have to trust God and then submit to your husband. You have to trust God enough to obey his word. Is that hard? Yes, it is. Uh, one time, I had Kathy up here, and I had given her some questions. I was dealing with this subject of submission. And one of the questions I had for her was, where's the area of our marriage that was the hardest for you to submit to me? Now, I knew what the questions were going to be, but I didn't know her answer. And then she shared her answer, and I said, really? Oh, I thought it would have been over here. You know, It was something totally different. Okay, guys, you're supposed to try and make it easy for her. When you're loving, when you're cherishing, when you're providing, 
then it's easier for them to submit. And, but ladies, you honor God. You choose to obey God. And then God works in your life. And what he says here in this short, these few verses, is that sometimes the husband who's not following God starts following God because he's learning and seeing his wife living out the faith. And it impacts his heart and his life. So what about you kids? I mean, some of you teenage boys are not like, man, I'm getting married next week, so I'm writing all this down. I got to get this right. You're not even thinking about it yet, maybe. And what about you younger kids? Well, you know, you guys have to obey God, too. It might be different for you. Um, see, see, whether or not you are happily married, the circumstances of your life are good enough for God to accomplish everything he wants to do in and through you. So some of you are not married. Some of you are not married and quite happy about that because the opportunity you had for marriage wasn't interesting to you or you're in a situation in life now where you're not interested in getting married again and that's fine. Some of you are married and not particularly happily married. Now, by saying happily married, I don't mean every moment, every day. I, Jeff and Sue don't walk it, wake up in the morning and, and Jeff says, oh, Sue, it's so wonderful to spend another day with you. And Sue says, uh-oh, they do that, sorry. Sue said, that's really what they do every day. And, and the truth is, it's not every moment, every day. Kathy and I have, I think, a reasonably good marriage, you know. She asked me not to talk about her, oops. Um, I was going to tell you some of the things she does that really bug me, but now I can't do it. No, the truth is, there are times when I bug her and she bugs me. Jeff and Sherry have a great marriage. There's times when he bugs her and she bugs him. We, we have, in the healthiest, best, most nourishing marriages, there are times. So don't expect your marriage to be perfect, but do remember it's good enough for God to accomplish what he, want to, what he wants to do. So what if your marriage is like seriously difficult? It's still good enough for God to accomplish what he wants to do in you and through you. So, you know, what if you're not married and you're single? You don't have to show respect for anybody or love for anybody, right? Because you, yeah, you still do. We're supposed to show God's love and share his truth. Everybody has to show love. Everybody has to show respect. Everybody does all the time. That needs to be a pattern and a practice in your life. You, on the job, obeying God on the job, you trust God to take care of all the consequences of your life. You do what you can do and then trust God with what you cannot change. Your time on earth is this itty bitty little part of your eternal life. It's just this itty bitty little part and you're gonna live forever. So you will never regret choosing to trust and honor God in this little part. Even though it feels like it's massive, it's this little part. And what we need to remember is there is something much bigger 
than your marriage at stake in your marriage. As Paul writes in Ephesians 5, he says, I'm talking about Christ and the church. So your marriage is a reflection of Christ and the church. We are supposed to reflect the love and grace of God to a world that desperately needs to see it. Our marriage is supposed to uh, show people that God is worth following, that we can trust him no matter what, no matter how bad or awful or difficult or awkward, we can trust him. He is trustworthy. Whether you're married or not, your life is supposed to show God's love and share his truth in a gracious manner, speaking the truth in love. That's what we need to do. The church is called the bride of Christ. And we are to model the faithfulness and love of Christ while we're also modeling the submission and obedience of the church. That's what we're supposed to do because marriage is way bigger than just your marriage. We reflect the church to the world. So how do we do that? A little bit every day. You work at it every day. How do you eat healthfully? Well, you sit down and you make one massive healthy meal and you eat it on the first day of the month and that gets you through the whole month. <laughs> no, you eat a little bit healthily every day. And we can choose to trust and follow God in difficult circumstances. I, I'm blessed. I, I've not been in a difficult marriage, but I've been in a difficult boss environment. Some days my wife's been in a difficult marriage, but that's another subject. I've had difficult bosses. I've had difficult coworkers. I've had difficult circumstances in my life. I've, I've dealt with issues. And what we need to remember is that God's at work. He is making things go. Pop back to that earlier slide. Whether or not you are happily married, the circumstances of your life are good enough for God to accomplish everything he wants to do in you and through you. So we can trust him and we can serve him and we can model his grace to the world around us because that's the bigger picture here. And when we get to heaven and we're living with the Lord, we will never regret trusting him and following him and modeling his grace. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you forgive us when we have failed you, we thank you that you show absolute forgiveness, absolute love, absolute grace. We're so grateful and we're so thankful that we can grow closer to you. I thank you that we're not stuck. Whatever's going on in our hearts and lives, if we have difficult relationships, difficult jobs, or desperately looking for a job, Lord, you've got things covered. If we will trust you, follow you, you will guide us. We thank you for your love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, 
or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.